Chapter Two, Part One of the Pathway of the Pioneer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Pathway of the Pioneer by Dolph Willard. Chapter Two, Part One. Each life's unfulfilled, you see. It hangs still, patchy and scrappy. We have not drunk deep, laughed deep, starved, feasted, despaired, been happy, and nobody thinks you a dunce and people suppose me clever this could but have happened once and we missed it lost it forever robert browning the first thing that magda burke distinctly remembered in her life was being taught to stand alone refused even the support of a chair she stood a forlorn little figure in a wilderness of floor while admonishing voices cried baby must learn to use her own feet baby must walk without being led baby did learn and went on learning the same moral lesson all through her youth her untried feet forced to find their way without encouragement of some one stronger to help her if she fell the large terrible room and the friends that stood afar off that was the allegory of life of magda burke her father was an artistic failure one of those men who as the americans say bust up and go on again he was always busting up but he generally went on again and his hopefulness was equal to that of micawber he was not a good man of business but he did happen to be a gentleman and his traditions were those wherein the men work and the women remain at home in the european version of a turkish harem magda was an only child and her mother had died at her birth she was not encouraged to work for the first twenty years of her life and when she brought common sense to bear upon the periodical smashes of her existence and suggested that she might help to avert such disasters she was told by her relations not to trouble herself and to trust in providence you will always be provided for said the feminine portion of the family piously you must just trust in god there is a certain creed which makes the deity a kind of managing director of earthly incompetence the holders of it are largely responsible for the desperate tendency to agnosticism which is often and loudly condemned by them in a younger and more practical generation when magda was twenty-three her father died suddenly and the state of his affairs upheld his daughter's theory that the lord helps those who help themselves rather than the tenet vaguely relied upon by her relations that the lord will provide she was not entirely thrown on her own helplessness however because for two years previously she had been earning her dress allowance by sheer persistence and energy on her own part she had insisted on that much independence in the face of disapproval and accusations of want of faith but she did not care to saddle her god with the responsibilities which she considered that he had given to her and so began to feel her way in a hard world to her ultimate salvation it was the old experience of the nursery floor and by the time she had learned to trust her own feet she had lost faith in the guidance that had been denied her the best thing in the world is independence said magda burke 
after all i am quite capable of doing without their help and she looked elsewhere for assistance and for sympathy also concluding that a woman's foes are oftenest those of her own household it was not pleasant work which she found her hours were long and her pay was little she was not strong no girl born and bred in the harris and worry of such a household and devoid of special training both of body and mind is very fitted for a female clerkship such as magda took but the half-bred hunter with the inherited instincts in his blood will do the uncongenial work before him and go as well in the cab as the real cab stock just as long as he can stand there comes a knacker's day at last there is a knacker's day for nusotra magda had had an irregular education begun when things were flourishing discontinued when the periodical bust-ups occurred at every school she went to she learned drawing as well as being taught by her father at home and she developed a talent for art because it was a pleasure to her when the final blow came and she saw her home broken up before her eyes she went into rooms with a friend some years older than herself and set her face steadily against the buffets of life to see what could be made of an unpromising existence magda could not live by herself loneliness of life for lack of physical companionship was as terrible to her as loneliness of mind to flair caldecott what flair felt chiefly was the lack of someone who loved the books she loved who read and thought as she did or who at least could realize her standpoint in argument amongst her seven particular friends even she found only two who did not think her rather odd in her mental tastes and magda's half-amused criticism you are a funny girl flair filled flair with a blank despair of being able to explain herself while the actual living alone did not disturb her at all magda on her side wanted to chum with someone for the human necessity of saying good morning and good night and went into partnership accordingly deborah the elder girl had worked in the city magda's lay nearer the west end between the two of them they made something like one hundred and fifty pounds a year working some nine or ten hours a day they lived in three small rooms in the vicinity of the tottenham court road as the most central point for their different destinations they cooked their own food on a gas stove in a tiny attic they called their kitchen at first they did their own scrubbing but unfortunately though the half-bred hunter can go for some time and stay until he drops he cannot pull very heavy loads deb and magda found it a necessary item of expenditure to have a woman in to do the scrubbing for the rest they bought their clothes as they could and looked respectable when they went to business and their diversions were taken as might be visiting at a few old friends houses or getting press passes for a theatre or concert but that came later at first they were too new to their daily grind to have discovered that they required recreation and too tired after working all day to go out in the evening 
there was always hanging over them the horrible dread of one or the other falling ill with no money to provide for such contingency and no friends who could or would help them besides which it is an inherent and ineradicable characteristic of nusotra that when they set their faces to the problem of work or starve they work silently and desperately they do not whine they do not ask help more especially they do not indebt themselves to the few people they may know who possess means or obligations to help them it may be pride or it may more probably be an inherited inability to ask for alms if one of nusotra must borrow she will borrow from another of the society who is as poor or poorer than herself who will give a few pence or a few shillings according to her means and who will never refer to it again until with pain and breathless anxiety it is saved up and handed back to her when she says oh thanks awfully but are you sure you can spare it look here i've put it out of my calculations and can go on all right i think don't give it to me if you can't spare it just yet magda had always been able to draw she sketched in off moments for her own pleasure and being of a resourceful nature she dared to send some sketches to an illustrated paper i can only be refused she said to deb she was refused but she tried again this time personally she took the sketches to an editor and asked why they were not available well you see for one thing they are not drawn for reproduction he said good-naturedly the subject isn't very taking either but you might have a chance if you understood press drawing magda went home and thought it out the result of several weeks inquiries and despairing calculations was that she entered the birkbeck schools and went through the course devoted to the knowledge she wanted it was something to do in the evenings and she loved the work then she went back to fleet street and battered in vain at editorial doors for the space of six months during which time she still drudged through uncongenial work she dared not throw up she might have had better luck if she had been able to hawk her wares in business hours but she was often too late to see the men she wanted to see or unable to pursue an advantage by constant applications after six months she had a sketch accepted and then she had another month of discouragement another set of drawings taken by a dishonest firm this time who never paid her more waiting more sickening sense of failure more dogged perseverance in her little leisure gradually gradually she got a firmer footing in the great murderous world of journalism which grinds and spares not and asks impossible work of its victims and dismisses without reason and is bought and sold by interest behind the scenes it is part of the everyday business of fleet street to break hearts the stage is cruel the musical world crushes and hammers the soul out of all endeavour into a grey monotony of form but literature and journalism torture first and kill slowly very slowly by inches of a disease which once caught shall never be healed again for the born journalist who once tastes journalism 
will never never give it up until the knacker's day the press is the pulse of the moment the incarnate vitality of to-day and those who once experience the thrill of being the tiniest particle in that great living force find all things else a dead and silent world it is not only that they attain the voice of printed matter for their hearers may make such an insignificant circle that it does not satisfy the least ambitious but from the incalculable staff of the times to the short paragraphist in some trivial penny weekly there is the electric sense of being behind the scenes in the world's drama of knowing how the machinery works of that mysterious link that draws newspaper people together from one end of the empire to the other it was through her profession that magda met with flair and through her with alma and frank hilda had been a friend of hers before she became literally one of news Otra, and hilda had brought beatrice into the circle thus they amalgamated and were augmented or decreased in numbers as things chanced sometimes deb would accompany magda to the society's meetings but oftener she took that opportunity of visiting friends of her own who were not intimate with magda there was a difference of some eight years in the girl's ages and it gave them naturally individual interests it was in the early days of her acquaintance with flair and before the ordered meetings of the society that a turn in her circumstances enabled magda to give up the clerkship she held and devote all her time to journalism her excursions up grimy stairs in fleet street had resulted at least in the side issue of an acquaintance amongst men and women who had reached the position for which she was feverishly fighting and because they liked her they asked her to dubious journalistic gatherings and so-called literary at-homes where all the third-rate lionesses of the profession congregated in tumbled gowns men were rare at these functions and were mostly undersized as if the imbibing of much inky experience had stunted their growth magda went to such affairs in the forlorn hope of some day meeting some one with influence because she never missed a chance however remote of forwarding her desire it was at one of the least hopeful of them that she noticed a man so much taller and less worn than the newspaper writers whom she knew that she came to the conclusion that he could not be a journalist at all and wondered if he felt like a fish out of water they both as it happened charged the refreshment table at the same time in a desperate raid for tea and holding out their hands for the same cup drew back and apologized i beg your pardon said the man please take it you had better while you can oh no you were first said magda honestly i can wait really i shall get some in time i have no doubt she spoke with the simplest self-confidence in waiting on herself as it happened she knew but few people in the room and took it for granted that if she wanted tea she must make an effort for it life was one great effort to magda she never sat down helplessly in a corner and wailed that she had not been served 
if when she left the feast of existence she went hungry it would not be from incompetence on her part the tall man looked down at her and smiled something seemed to have amused him and arrested his attention it was one of magda's good days when her eyes were blue and her hair had golden lights in it tire or discouragement or hardship drained the colour out of her body as well as out of her mind but it was the fiat of the gods that she should have her share of vitality just now supposing you take this cup and let me get you something to eat he said quietly and then i will find you a seat magda's independence was essentially a feminine quality it just stopped short of resisting masculine authority of the right sort thank you she said meekly though she was in fact rather surprised at herself as a matter of fact he found two seats in a secluded corner and having supplied himself also with tea they sat down and had it together the talk turned naturally upon the profession most in evidence around them but why at the end of ten minutes magda found herself confiding all her aspirations and the hopeless outlook before her to a total stranger she was never able to explain and was so convinced that it was inexcusable that she always defended it earnestly to flair and hilda he listened gravely with a searching gaze into her discouraged face and at the end he said i think i can help you at least i can give you a chance to help yourself but are you a journalist said magda blankly her very real surprise making him laugh i have been feeling more sure every minute that you had nothing to do with them why i wonder he said rather quizzically i thought i was rather well known in fleet street it seems i flattered myself i dare say you are said magda dryly but i do not happen to know your name he told it to her and for the minute she wished she had never confided in him he was editor of an illustrated weekly a well-established paper backed by a great firm and had control also of a smaller paper which his people had but lately started these things were a matter of common report and it seemed to her that he must think she was not telling the truth and had talked to him from self-interest i did not really know who you were she said impulsively the sting of her sensitive pride bringing tears into the blue of her eyes magda's emotions were as quick as her wits she felt vividly and on the spur of the moment laughter or tears coming to her as easily as her trick of verbal retort beatrice called her april's lady i know said the editor composedly i have realized that what i propose to do is to give you a trial on the smaller of our papers if your work is good enough can you come up and see me to-morrow and bring some as a specimen yes said magda breathlessly very well to-morrow afternoon at four by the way can you write paragraphs oh yes i have done that often that is a good thing as i can give you more work by jove i must be going it's past six good-bye he shook hands with magda but she could not speak the gates of her paradise seemed for the moment slowly opening to her and the angel who had wrought the miracle was the tall man pushing his way impatiently through the chattering crowd to him it was a passing freak 
and he forgot her long before he left the room, having merely offered his help to a rather interesting type that had saved his being unutterably bored at a dull function. At the same time that he had made a physical note of Magda's name, he made a mental one that he would never attend another afternoon reception of the same kind, that he had gone there and talked to a girl who had blue eyes. In a corner was the merest incident. He kept his promise to himself, and never did attend such an entertainment again. The meeting was a chance one that might never have taken place save for a disposition of providence that might almost be called faintly ironical magda went home to cook the dinner which she was too excited to eat but her nerves which threatened to play her false had been worn down to a more uniform endurance by the endless mirages of false hope which she had seen across her desert and by the next morning she was as depressed as she had been elated she looked at deb over the forlorn breakfast-table in the little attic under the roof and her eyes were piteous it is no use my going the work won't be what he wants they have all said that she said wretchedly blinking away the tears yes but he must be personally interested in you said deb with a cruel shrewdness born of those eight years ahead of magda it makes all the difference the others looked at your work first he has looked at you i don't care for it if he helps me just because just because i was nice to him said magda with hurt pride and a mental inspection of yesterday's smiles i should simply hate his charity again she saw the strong self-reliant face of the tall editor and writhed a little for lack of his acknowledgment of what she could do it doesn't matter he'll give you your chance and you can prove that you are worth it he wouldn't trouble about the chance if he had not looked at you deb was unintentionally cynical in her consolation do eat something magda you will look like a ghost if you don't but magda was too finely strung that morning to swallow grilled bacon her appetite was fastidious suddenly she saw that the charwoman had not rubbed the forks this week and that the cloth was stained what would the editor in his immaculate shirt-cuffs think of murky plate and such damask as that life by the standard of his well-groomed success seemed suddenly sordid and unfit for women she had had no chance to do household duties this last week beyond the necessary preparing of food she thought of inviting him up here it was no use trying to be dainty and feminine the stress of bare existence battered such desires out of the way and to be merely cleanly and honest appeared unsatisfactory at the moment magda felt suddenly humiliated by all the little shifts that destroy so much of the pleasure of a woman's life the wearing of dark clothes even in the summer to save washing the doing without of linen collars and cuffs in the winter when office and writing-desk soil them in an hour most of nuzotra never even dreamed of white shirts and blouses in summer-time they wore striped things grey and dark blues for choice that do not soil while white underskirts were grievous luxuries 
and as to the delightful linen coats and skirts that women affect in hot weather they ranked with the peaches in the fruiterers windows that cost sixpence at cheapest and were like diamonds as far as attainment went it is in the little ways of saving and making shift that the woman's tragedy comes in in the carrying her own parcels to save postage within a possible radius in the wearing of old skirts in doubtful weather because she knows that she has only one decent gown that must face the searching sunlight next year it is nothing to a woman comparatively speaking to starve herself or to eke out a week in a cheap neighbourhood for all her annual holiday with no money for excursions these things may kill her eventually but they are to be borne the others the pin-pricks of every day and all day go on for so long dear god how long it is to look back through years of such rigid economies that they wear the heart out of her later on that morning when deb had departed magda brushed her most respectable skirt and cleaned her shoes for she had not to leave the house quite so early as her friend dressing to go out generally involves these preliminary details with nous autres who are perpetually in a scramble in consequence and loathe the sight of blacking and brushes as no boot-boy can do for at least it is the boot-boy's business and to magda and her kind it comes as an extra in the ordinary routine of bread-winning she had to go to business as usual but by making a special appeal to those in authority over her she really got off early and rode down to fleet street the omnibus jolted and magda's head ached she had not had time to go home and freshen herself up or have tea and when she presented herself at the doors of her destination it was with a depressed feeling that all the charm of yesterday had gone from her she almost doubted its existence as she sat in the outer office waiting for the deity within to send and summon her to the inner sanctuary as she sat there she wondered how many men and women had waited wearily in her place hoping against hope infinitely weary with tramping from office to office and finally proved so unimportant that instead of ever reaching the editor they were merely dealt with by a clerk who demanded and dismissed their business in the toneless voice of official routine i shall never forget all this never said magda catching her breath though i succeeded a hundred times the chill of poverty would still be in my bones i should never forget the days of the outer office no one who succeeds after such experience ever does she had grown so used to being refused a hearing that she felt a dull surprise on being at last bidden to follow to the editor's own room her friend had not forgotten her perhaps he had hardly had time to do so and he rose and shook hands she looked at the strong spare figure and remembered her own whimsical depression over his shirt-cuffs certainly they were immaculate and he wore his clothes with an ease which does not often go with such a position as his magda's own hands were her best point they had not only the approved 
points of filbert nails soft white skin and delicate modelling they had character as well i have seen many beautiful women's hands which were as correct in form as magda's though utterly helpless but i remember no others that were at once well-bred and perfectly artistic she had taken off her gloves to untie the precious drawings she brought as samples and the slim fingers lay pleasantly in the editor's as he looked down on her well he said let's get to business at once show me what you can do she liked that for the suggestion of challenge put her on her mettle and the business quality of his tone destroyed her fear of personal bias one after another she laid a few of her best black-and-whites on the desk and his face did not cloud yes he said you do this sort of thing quite well enough a good deal better than the average draughtsman in fact then why is it that i find it so difficult to get anything accepted magda exclaimed my dear child he said dryly i did not say you were a genius if your work were strikingly original you would make your way eventually because every editor in london is keenly on the scent for genius always but the market is packed with average work and it is backed with interest yours may be above the average but that does not outweigh the added interest some day you will understand all that i am afraid better than i care to explain it to you but it seems so unfair said the magda of those days still strong in her youth and its demand for justice he shrugged his shoulders it is the way of all trades journalism among the rest anyhow i am very glad to give you the chance you wanted afterwards she remembered his talk of this interest unpossessed by her and found its darker meaning that he had held back at the time she merely thought he meant literally introductions or some obligation to help her which she had always lacked he was kind and courteous as well as encouraging at this second meeting and showed her a small inner room where she could work on certain days in the week after her business hours correcting proofs for him and looking through the drawings and photographs submitted to the smaller paper the last lady who had done this kind of sub-editing had had the room entirely to herself he said but that was before he joined the staff magda wondered for a moment who her predecessor had been but he did not explain further and she forgot the matter in the more absorbing interest of arranging the details of her connection with the paper even when it was all settled it seemed to her a chance too happy in all its aspects to really belong to her and she was surprised to find that her hands were trembling and her eyes half blind with tears when she stepped out once more into the steep rise of norfolk street i will work hard said magda looking up instinctively at the grey sky between the grey houses as if to some one up there in command of all the greyness of london i am very thankful very grateful indeed i will do my best End of chapter 2 part 1